0: Hello everyone, this is Cessia, and this is the fifth episode of Tea Time with Cecia. To start off this podcast, I want to quote something that I saw online that says, Your individual positive experiences with cops do not outweigh the fact that the entire criminal justice system was built on institutionalized racism. I have the pleasure to introduce two peers from the college that I attend tiffany and micah and so i would like to give both of them the platform today and uh the platform to introduce themselves tiffany and micah hello
1: hi cesia hi micah
2: hello cesia hello tiffany how are we doing? good
1: how are you guys
2: not bad, not bad.
0: um so for the start of this i wanted to disclose that i will be uh Serving as the third person to kind of engage the conversation between Tiffany and Micah, um, and we do want to make sure that this platform is used in the best capacity and in the most respectful, respectful capacity. And so we will be, um, I will be posing some questions. Um, all these questions that were formed by both Tiffany and Micah and they will be engaging with these discussions, and I hope you all enjoy. This is my Black Lives Matters, a Black Lives Matter series part one. So I wanna get started with the first question. And for the first question, I wanted to ask, uh, what fuels your passion for this work? And either one of you can take a grab at it to start
1: <laughs> um yeah I could start um I have never like seen myself represented in um, a lot of different spaces um I have only ever seen myself represented in a negative light or um in my like church um and so just not having, like, representation and not seeing yourself in so many, like, different ways has just, like, really taken a toll on me. Um, I have been, like, around um, just, like, white people all the time, and so now just, like, as the Black Lives Matter movement um, comes up I'm just, like, realizing that there's a lot of um, just, like, a lot of baggage maybe that um, I carry with me about like my own identity if that makes sense so I Mm. have just poured a lot of like myself and um, just like a lot of the passion that I have for making sure that my future children are represented and the media starts to change and just so many different like caveats to the whole um, Black Lives Matter movement I just really want Um, representation I think that's like the biggest thing that um, fuels a lot of my passion for just having my voice heard
0: and that sounds like a lot to unpack and also a lot to tackle like you're you're just one person and it sounds like you've had to like almost take up the burden of creating that representation for yourself which is a lot um Micah what do you have to say about this question and your own experience. Could you repeat the question for me, please? So the question was, what fuels your passion for this work or this movement, or in general, just what we're talking about?
2: So, me being a Black man in America, it's, it it didn't start this summer, it didn't start, you know, years back this has been going on for 400 plus years like we we don't even keep counting anymore because it's just like it's just adding on you know what i'm saying um this summer i went to probably 10 plus protests just because getting that representation out there and like letting people know that listen this isn't an organization like we're out here like fighting for our lives like every day every day that me personally every day that i wake up i'm just like yo like can we make it through the day like can we like survive you know what i'm saying and just just seeing like my people just marching like it brings it back to like you know um Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And like it's like stuff like that. What they what they did then is literally what we're doing now. And mm. for our generation is literally the fighting force. We literally are the power. We literally have the power to make a change. But it can only happen if we're doing it together.
1: Right, that's real.
0: Um like to, to go back on what you said, like a lot of people drop parallels between what's happening now and the civil rights movement. Mm. And when you think about it, like the, those things, all the changes that came from the civil rights movement, they didn't didn't happen um, peacefully. And I don't say that to incite <laughs> chaos, but I say that, that a lot of things uh, that require change in this country, they require a lot of
1: disruption. Mm-hmm
0: and not only disruption like people people who are willing who are not or who are also not black right to to be a part of that force not saying that black people cannot mobilize by themselves but to create a dramatic change on the system everyone needs to collectively uh be on the same page about what what's being fought for and I- and we're not, we're not
1: seeing yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> no, 100%. I also think just like going back to um what Micah said like that like this has not this hasn't been going on um just this summer, right? This is we've lost count. And and that's so true. Like I'm seeing 400 plus years. Like how long even is 400 plus years? Like when you, I can't even conceptualize that number. <laughs> And also, just to go back to what Ceci was saying, too, about how, like, yes, Black people can mobilize by themselves, I believe that, but there's power in numbers, and we're fighting for our lives. It's not just, like, a catchy, like, trendy slogan that people are saying, like, Black lives matter, like, no, like, my life is it's literally life or death at this point like I can potentially walk out of my house or stay in my bed like we've seen with Breonna Taylor and potentially die at any moment like that is so that's such a reality for black people globally honestly that like I think people maybe are just like not grasping or maybe just the people that I see aren't grasping like this is a fight for our life that has been happening for 400 years like it's not this is not new
2: it's it's literally an everyday thing because we us black people cannot do anything like li- literally any we can't buy what uh we can't buy anything at the store without getting shot mm-hmm. we can't go for a run without getting shot Mm -hmm. like there's no there's no warning there's no it's just kill 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 like there's no there's no thought behind it if you honestly like think about it like it's act Mm -hmm. it's not oh like the officers they act right away they don't think they don't just like oh maybe he's no shoot him
1: and not even just, Straight like that. yeah, and not even just shoot him, right? Like, it shoot him seven times in the back. Like, you know how oh. I can't, again, can't even conceptualize what that looks like, what that feels like. But, like, that is brutal. That's not, that's not a warning shot. That's not a, oh, I was a little bit in danger. That, you're shooting to kill at that point.
2: You're, you're shooting to kill. Like you like you're hunting mm-hmm. and you got you get to the point you get to the point where you're just like you're more you're afraid of my skin. Like my skin. Are you being serious? Yeah. You, we get to the point where it's just like, um, what what did they say? Um he had a knife on him. You guys are trained officers. You're trained. How,
0: how long
2: are they trained? Six mm-hmm. months, a, a year, I
0: don't even know. Less. Yes.
2: Less, less.
0: The, that's the very like alarming and sad part of it is that the training is so small in comparison to like the scope of what the responsibilities of an officer is and the power that they hold. But
1: even when I think about like, okay, officers don't have that much training, they're supposed to help people, right? Cool. We're... We, we're Well, we are all RAs. We were RAs, whatever, right? We had two weeks, a week and a half of training. And I feel like we have better de-escalation skills than all of the cops that are coming out with all these stories. There's no reason why we can walk into a room of 15 people and de-escalate a situation, but they have multiple weapons at their disposal on their hips and they shoot to kill There, that doesn't make any sense and anyone who tries to rationalize that sick sick in the head yeah. because that doesn't make any sense to me
2: and you know what really like confuses me or no confuses me is <laughs> it's five against one how powerful is this man that you have to have five officers be at the ready gun on holster or gun out ready to go for stuff like that to happen? like you you're you're you intended to kill mm-hmm. them that man. that man that woman you intended to kill them like that that was your intention from the bat the minute you pulled your holster and, and it's, it's like Stuff like that, stuff like that really it, it it scares me, to be honest. It really scares me because anytime um like I'll be driving and I'll get like say I'll get pulled over or whatever, like whatever happens, like I get pulled over. It, the minute I get pulled over, my first thought well first of all, my first action is to call somebody and have them on the mm-hmm. phone while anything happens and then my first thought is just like this could be my last mm-hmm. day that is my it's it's just like okay this could be my last day uh, let me just call Let's, can you just stay on the phone with me like i talk to uh the person that i call i just like have the conversation um i don't know whatever like has happened like i didn't do anything wrong like this is what happened got yada, yada like i explained every detail because no. They can they can change the narrative
1: mm-hmm.
2: after they've shot. And
1: that's why I'm so happy that Jacob Blake is alive. Because I think it is so easy for cops and the police department and, you know, mayors of the cities and whoever else to change the narrative, like you said, right? And so <laughs> even when... <laughs> Sorry, what'd you say? the media the media exactly and even when you see like um i'm drawing a blank on where jacob Blake, where he lived where he lives but um (laughs) yeah was that michigan wisconsin honestly there's so many stories right that we can't even keep up with the cities right so there's that (laughs) (laughs) but um they're so quick to say oh he had a knife oh he had this Oh, he he did this before, right? And again with the like the rationalization. Like, if you're rationalizing someone getting shot in the back seven times, you are sick. Period. There's that that there's no debate for that, right? But then the same white boy can go to the same city and state with an AK-47 and it's self-defense. Oh, they were attacking him. Oh, this. Oh, that. And he's still alive to tell the story. So, again, I'm so happy that Jacob Blake is alive. I hope that his family has the fuel underneath them to speak up and out about that injustice because I think it's just so easy to to change the narrative, like you were saying. So,
2: absolutely.
0: Um, I don't mean to cut this this question short or the answers to this question short but I do want to move on to the next question and it has to do with what we are talking about the emotions that are incited from these events the experience the mental and spiritual the physical how physically draining all these things can be because they do take a toll Um, and one of the questions that I have here is have you become numb to what's happening in the world right now I do want to say uh, I want to make that more open and say how have you responded to the things happening in this world um, is maybe you know becoming numb quote unquote becoming numb uh, something that you could use as a cushion to like just exist as, as a black person like how how is that for you to emotionally if you um, could speak on that
1: yeah um I would say that I've become numb. Um, Nothing surprises me anymore. Um, I'm not shocked, I'm not sad, I'm not hurt. It just like is what it is, right? Like I can go on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, see the deaths at this point and it like, it doesn't even phase me. And I think that that is just like the scariest place to be as a black person. Because I don't even know, like, God forbid, I don't even know what my reaction would be if I was in that kind of situation. Because I'm just so used to it that, like, would I fight back? Would I speak up? Would I get scared? Like, I don't even know and I can't even think through that because it's become the norm, which is so... Sad to say, and I think it just like goes back to the first question too about like why am I so passionate about it? Like, what fuels my passion? Like, I don't want it to become normal. No, like this is not this is not normal. Seeing black people die on the internet is not normal. Having families get their loved ones ripped away from them in such an instant over nonsense violence is not normal and I just again like I don't want to be desensitized and I'm hoping that my like desensitization fuels the passion that I have for this work
2: I feel that I feel that I I completely agree with you to the fact that I I see it as a like a like an order right like it's it's been happening since forever, literally. So it goes: black man or black woman gets shot, is either killed or injured. There's a hashtag. There's protest. Um, people fighting for justice. Like it's it's continuing, and then it just it just slowly like dies out. Like like people like start forgetting like like no like it has it has to keep going you have to like make people not forget because the names are just added to the list like um, at the protest uh, what is it one of the one of the chants were uh, it was like say their name and then like we would answer which
1: one Mm. like how (laughs)
2: How, like, mental is that, that you we, we like, have to keep on adding names to this? Like, I've gotten to a point where I'm just, like, I pray. I pray for the families, like, like and what they're going through. And it's just, like, I'm, I'm numb. Like, I, I, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I even saw um Jacob Blake's sister did an interview and she said that she doesn't want pity. She's not even sad anymore. She just wants change. Mm-hmm. And that really resonated mm-hmm. with me because like I said, I'm not sad, I'm not hurt. Right. I'm not, I don't I don't feel anything anymore. I just want change. That's it.
0: And for change to happen, there's a lot of misconceptions to unpack about this movement in order for uh, people who are not Black to see themselves as being integral parts of this movement. And so I have another question, and that question is, so what is one misconception or pet peeve um, as it relates to how white people or non-people of color view this movement um, and you two have spoken already a little bit about what that looks like. But if you could, you know, elaborate more on what exactly do people who are, who are not Black um, and witnessing what is happening have to do? Or what is it that is stopping them from being, the, being those allies that they need to be? Not, should, not, not that they, uh, what is it? They, they shouldn't have an option, but they do in their eyes. What is it that's stopping them? What's the misconception?
2: I'll tell you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tiffany. No, you're, you're go, good. I'll tell you right now. They don't, one, they don't care. Because if it's not happening to them, it's not. Mm-hmm. Like that's, it's, if it's not affecting anybody in their circle or anything, they're not going to take it serious. Cause you you you'll see a, oh I have a black friend mm. yada yada you know that that whole black friend thing I'm just like uh, what does that exactly mean to you? Mm. What what are you doing for your black friend? Like have you talked to your black friend? Have you like talked to him to him to see like him or her or to see how they're doing? Like what's going on? Anybody can have a black a black friend,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but to really like go in depth and see like learn, learn the history learning the, what you can do to like make a change but in all honesty they don't care like if it I stand by this if it does not affect that person they will not care about it
1: yeah I think also too just like my biggest pet peeve is going on twitter getting the CNN alert, having my mom or dad tell me, oh, another black person was shot, another black person was killed, another, this happened in this place, in that place, in this city, in that city. Cool. I go on Instagram, selfies, living it up, especially now in the global pandemic, but that's a whole different story for another day. (laughs) But-
2: (laughs) I don't mean to cut you off, Tim, but let's talk about, let's talk about, no, we're we're not even gonna talk about it, but I just wanna like just make the statement. It's about how we posted a black square one day and then we posted something way different the next day. Mm. Right. I'm just going to keep it at that, but go ahead.
1: No, that that's exactly it. Just like seeing people live it up when I, as a black person, my, my family, the people I love and cherish, I don't know if they're going to make it home. It just like hits home that I live in a very different America than the people I see on Instagram or Twitter or whatever uh, Snapchat, whatever social media platform, right? Or even just people I know, right? Like people I know get to live their life authentically, joyfully, everything. And they're not concerned if they make it home or not they're not concerned if their dad brother sister mom grandma makes it home or not and I think that's that's my biggest pet peeve is just being able to be so carefree when there are people dying every day at the hands of police that is so crazy to me and just and and I think just to sit in that Cause for me, I'll I'll name it out. I call people out. I have no problem at all. We know you do.
0: (laughs) I live for it every single time. I, I giggle a little bit,
1: but I I just I think just just sitting in the fact that you cause it's I know you're seeing it, right? Like I see things on Twitter that don't necessarily pertain to me. So I know you're seeing it. And you can just sit and like sit in your whiteness or sit in your and not have any guilt or not have any not feel the need to speak up that's a mental illness that's sick to me because i don't understand how you can watch people die on the internet and watch all these tragedies happen and justify it how how that makes no sense
0: at (laughs) all uh tiff you mentioned something about living in a different america and i don't know if you remember the book that we
1: read—I
0: mm-hmm. can't remember the title—and it was basically about um, a young black child who lived in Chicago who witnessed um, the death of another child, his age, around his age, who who fell from uh, like I can't remember what floor it was on one of the—I mm-hmm. know what you're talking and how he he talks about his experience and how so much so many people were there to to publish the story so so many white media news sources were there to to take pictures and to interview people but when it came to actually doing anything anything to help that community to talk about the actual like things the systems in place that were that were creating these environments for these children there was nothing. Mm-hmm. And the story died out. And how we see so many stories die out. But the impact of all these life events, they still happen. They don't end. The hashtag stops trending. But these people are still mourning. These people are still grieving for their loved ones. Um. And yeah, I just, that triggered uh, a, a memory from what we read. And how there's literally two Americas. Like, one America where people are actually internalizing everything that's happening fully for what it is and then the other america and which is like a state a mental state too because all it really Mm. requires is looking for information like literally we have all the information at our disposal in our fingertips we have our phones which give us like all this information that we have access to yet people decide not to take advantage of it
1: Mm -hmm. um yeah and I think also, too, like, what you were saying about how the trend um, or the hashtag dies out, but the people are so mourning, like, I think that's also just such a misconception. Like, it's a cute, trendy hashtag for a second, and then it's still a very real thing. Like, it's not its not something funny. It's not a TikTok. It's not, like, it's not just a media trend like this is real life we're fighting for our lives and i think like people don't understand that they want to just credit black lives matter because of company or the platform or whatever even people think about it but at the end of the day we are fighting for our lives point blank period there's no other way around it this is life or death i want to
0: and thank you for saying that. Um, I want to ask the last question and then maybe we can uh, wrap up what we will be sharing for this podcast. And the last question is, and it goes back to to what um, non-people of color and white people um, do in terms of this movement. And this question is, do you believe children are born or taught to be racist? And this goes, Um, hand-in-hand, obviously the kids that we are educating now are the adults of tomorrow. Like, (laughs) There's a direct relationship with what we're teaching our our children and what they do. Um, So I don't know if either one of you want to take a grab at that question.
1: Yeah, I can jump in. Um, I had someone ask me, what if the student in my class don't believe that black lives matter what if they have a different opinion than you and I just thought that was so interesting right because like I said I think probably like five times so far this is life or death it's not an opinion it's not a trend it's not it's 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 not a it's not an opinion it's not something that we can like debate right like these are very real facts we see it happening on the internet it's real so i believe that children are taught to be racist because children are products of their environment so if you teach children love, if you teach children joy, empathy kindness, if you teach them all the values that they should have as human beings they will carry that with them for life and I saw a quote that said people don't necessarily remember what you said but they'll always remember how you made them feel you, And I think just teaching children that like your feelings, your emotions, what you what you value, what you bring to the table is paramount in life. So if you're bringing negativity, meanness, um, you know, unkindness, bad words, if you're bringing all that to the table, that you're going to be and that's how people are going to remember you so it's not an opinion it's not it's not a these are facts this is truth so you have to teach children the truth and teach them you know the values that excuse me that we need to have as human beings because at the end of the day all we have is each other right so like that's that
0: (laughs) micah do you want to share a response to that question as well do you want me to repeat the question? Do we lose him? <laughs> I think we lost him for a
1: second. Oh, no. It says he's connected. Hmm. Do you guys love
2: it? Do you guys love 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 it?
1: Hello. Hi.
2: Okay. <laughs> Lost me there for a second. <laughs> so I completely agree that um, the children of the future, when they you're not born racist, you're you're taught it. Mm-hmm. Your family, your environment, whatever is around you, and it gets to the point where. We watched this video yesterday in class, and um, I think it's uh it was Fox or ABC. Like they did a a segment where uh, they put like kids in front of the table. I think everybody's seen this video, but they put kids um, on the table and they asked them. It was um it was a picture book, and it had like kids that were white all the way down to uh, kids that were dark, right? Mm-hmm. And they had them point like, they asked him a question, like, one of the questions was just, like, uh, which, which kid do you think your parents would like? And they pointed at the white kid. Mm-hmm. And then which kid would your parent wouldn't like? And they pointed at the black kid. And then they asked why. Because one of the kids said, um, because because they're dirty. And I was just, like, wow. And another another one was because it was because they were black. And, like, me watching this video, I was just, like, Bro, you taught this. Mm-hmm. You're, you're literally taught this. Like your parents or whatever, what whatever, whatever, um, whatever um, I don't know, role model was around you,
1: mm-hmm.
2: taught you this subject, and like made you say these because these these aren't your thoughts. Mm-hmm. This is what you hear, this this is what you hear every day. So I'm just like me watching this. I'm just like I, I, I personally was getting like, I'm not even mad at the children, but it's just like I, I'm more like ups, disappointed in the parents. Yeah, for like, cause do you see what your child is teaching? And then like they moved up to like middle middle school, um, and they were just like they same questions. Like I don't remember the same uh, the questions like that, but they asked them um same questions and they were just like oh like the, the parent one's the only one i can remember to be honest <laughs> mm-hmm. but they asked them they was just like oh which one is like which one would you like to like hang around all that stuff like that and then warned my heart shorty was just like she was pointing at all of them she was just like and i was just like wow like it's taught this like because because oh i don't know if it was like um older kids like have a better understanding obviously of what's like going on they're just like that's my friend like what's the what's what's the issue like i the whole and it's not the whole like i don't see color thing because please, please 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 right right i need i need you to to see it see it open your eyes please like it doesn't work out like that
1: like um, yeah no i totally agree and i think that like like you were saying just kids Kids are are products of their environment. They're only going to do what they think, um, what they've seen their parents do, what they think their parents like, Mm. you know, like even when you, I don't know if you think about like food, right? Like kids are only going to gravitate towards food that they're familiar with. Right. You're not going to randomly put a dish that they're, that they don't know in front of them and expect them to like it. Right. Unless you've told them, like, okay, this is good. Mm, look, mommy likes it. Mm, look, daddy likes it. Whatever the case may be, that's the only way that you will change their thoughts and mold their thoughts. And parents are the first people to do that. Mm. And so and, I, I think it's unfair to say, oh, my child doesn't see color when you're feeling hatred in, in your home. Mm. Or when you're... Making comments in a grocery store, or shielding your kids away from certain images in media, or all of all of these things are learned behaviors. All behaviors that we have as humans are learned. Mm. So we can't act and say, "Oh, we don't see color," right? Because anyone with eyes, right, like it's it's able-bodied, insane. can see <laughs> color. So, right? Yeah, it's just it's crazy. It's really crazy.
0: (laughs) Okay, so um, unless we want to address any other question, um, I appreciate you both for um, taking the time, taking the energy, taking the mental space to even address these questions um, because obviously no no one is entitled to that. Um, And so I appreciate you both Um, And I do want to let the audience know we will be addressing other aspects of of what this is, what this looks like. We will be addressing education. We'll be addressing the media. We'll be addressing um, what is known as like black faces in high places, um, role models in the community. And um, thank you so much for for what you had to share. Thank Thank you. you.
1: Thank you for allowing us to share it.
2: Honestly, like, wow. Uh, this just allowing me to be on this platform uh so uh, i love it i'm mm-hmm. doing amazing things here
1: yeah
0: and, uh, thank you for share. honestly the fire it's fire this podcast <laughs> might burn the people listening to it <laughs> um because what what we just shared is just might be too much
1: it might too be. Much.
0: <laughs> but um thank you so much i hope that the audience listening to this enjoy i mean i know you enjoyed this podcast so please tune in to the next one we'll be talking about black lives matter in education um thank you tiffany and thank you micah this was the fifth episode of tea time with cesia i will see you next time for the sixth episode